This is a recounting of a liver surgery, a transplant that I went through about a year ago. We are actually on the anniversary week of going through the worst part of this in some ways kind of nightmare because it was just so unknown what was going to happen next many many stages of the way through and i have my wife sarah with me this is barry and i have sarah with me and um one of the things honey i wanted to do was talk first of all this when you think about the surgery you obviously have to think about there was a donor that gave a liver. We, we weren't able to do any kind of a, um, you know, partial liver or something that could grow, or I've heard of stories and knowledge of livers being able to be replicated, but there were some complications on my side with that. So I've, I've had people ask me, well, why couldn't you just kind of take a portion of somebody's liver and regrow? Right. What do you know about well, that? Well, Dr. Pareko just said your liver was too bad. You had to have a new, a, a whole liver. You couldn't just take a partial one. You had to have a whole new liver. So the liver and all the bile ducts and Every, everything yeah. that went with it. Because what they were thinking, and they hadn't seen it yet until they got in there and cut around, right. but they were thinking that kind of there was a lot of damage there, sclerosing, scarring. Right. of my liver and there was no way to sort of reuse any of that no and i had to have a liver from somebody so did we um i'll just ask it of you do um, do we know anything about that liver where that came from no we don't we we can know well we can send a letter through the national donor organization but we haven't done that yet but we have heard I always thought it was a woman's liver, but we have heard that it is a male liver and he is younger than you. And oh, he, how much younger? That's they, a good. We thing. don't, we have no idea. Ah. And he died in a car crash. Oh, so ah. that's the only things we know about him. And just for people's information, there's probably a way to write a letter to that, um, that kind of, organization that's between the two of us and maybe they would then contact that family or right. whatever and say would you like to know anything and they would have the right to say yes or no right am i am i right you're on right that? about that okay yeah which we have not yet chosen to do we're at right. one year right now and um it it just still doesn't seem the right timing for us and I, maybe someday it will maybe someday it will um, so the other thing I wanted to do as a setup here was I haven't really talked about, uh, what liver doctors in this situation watch, which is the MELD score. Oh, yeah. And the MELD score, as much as I understand it, is sort of a, a, an equation that adds up several different parts of your lab report of your blood work. And so I don't even know, they, they have so many different things, you know, I've given blood so many times and every time, you know, there's almost like a new thing that they're, they're 
what do you call it, watching or something they're looking at. But they add up, I think it's six or seven things, and that equals what they call a meld score. And so what were you told about what is a bad meld score and what is a good meld score? So where would you start normally, roughly? Well, and, and I think you you said that a year before any of this happened, you were at a nine. Mm. And your doctor, Dr. Pareko at, at Vanderbilt said, you know, I don't think you'll ever need a liver, but if you do, you know, you, you've come to the right place. Well, within a year, uh, September, you didn't even know it, but you were already, a, I believe, a 30. Close to a 30. Yeah. And at 20, I believe it's 28 they put you on the liver transplant list. So you were already passed that. So you score. have to hit this number right. in this MELD score, M-E-L-D, and people can look that up. But there, there's a way they compute that. So if somebody thinks they might have something wrong, they need to, first of all, check on their MELD score. And that'll probably be very informative to you. Um, so the last thing I sort of as a preface remember was there was a doctor that we met with, and I don't think I had yet gotten to the hospital, but it, it reminds you, me about the surgery. Right. You were uh, going through trying to do all the testing and well, that's he's the last person you met with. Okay. As part of Vanderbilt's uh, sort of procedure that they make everybody go through, um, well, there's counseling of all kinds. Yes. Nutrition. Um, they, uh, they asked me a lot of questions about, uh, have I ever, you know, been depressed enough to want to harm right. myself? I mean, all kinds of things. Um, and I think they want to have a real good grasp on who this person is that they're putting this new organ in. Right. They, mm -hmm. so there's all these, how many, how many people did we meet with? How many? Uh, oh, it was a week worth of testing. Yeah. yeah. And week. all day. A lot of them were all day testing or talking. Right. Right. And they want to emotionally see where you're at because some people go through real emotional trauma after getting a transplant of guilt, mm. of, uh, you know, feeling bad about the other person dying and they got their organ. So there are a lot of different things and they wanted, they just wanted to know where you were at and all of that. Yeah. And going through it, I can remember some frustrations, but the frustrations were more along the line of how comes I gotta, how comes I gotta go through this? You know, when is this going to be over with? Why can't I walk? Why does my back hurt? All the things that I kept going through in the rehab process. And so, you know, I, I know I was grumpy with you. I remember that. I remember being grumpy, just not happy with life a little bit through some of that process. So they were checking. They were checking on my stability, um, putting a good liver in a person. They want to be doubly sure. But this doctor, the last one we met with along those lines, sticks out in my mind because he scared the you know what out of me. I mean, he looked at me and he was like very like, you know, everybody was very nice and jovial and, and kind of warm and smiling and all that. This guy wasn't so smiley. And he wanted to talk about whether I knew how serious this was or not. 
and if I was prepared to do what I had to do. And was I going to stick to the regimen? And was I going to understand what's going to happen in my body enough to go with that and commit to taking the medications when you're supposed to take the medications and keep your body as in shape as you possibly can until that, until that liver transplant comes. So it was at that time when I'm thinking, okay, I'm about ready to go in to have my surgery. And again, I wasn't that aware of that moment, but I knew I was coming to that moment. I did everything I knew up until that moment to be as good a patient as I possibly could be. And you were an angel. You were like the nurse that everybody wanted to have. And you checked everything and made sure all the meds were right and made sure that I was, you know, eating properly and that I was sleeping when I could. You took my phone away from me. <laughs> I don't want people bugging you. Well, and they would and have. I and I wasn't sure what you were going to text. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were quite <laughs> of sound mind at that point. I was texting some strange things. I was, I was imagining some strange things. Well, and you at one point said to one of the main doctors when they came in, you had just told me, honey, they have, they have all these sound things. They're listening to us all over. And I went, okay. So when the when the doctor came in with this group, you went, Oh no. I, I just want to make you aware they're listening to us. I didn't. You, <laughs> and I thought of all things, why did you say that? But he was so What'd great. They do? They he do? was so great. He went, well, I appreciate you making me aware of that. I will be very careful on the choosing of my words. He was so wonderful because he knew that your brain wasn't really all together. I was in some other land most of the time. I remember that. And when he left, I said, baby, you can tell me those things, but don't (laughs) tell the doctors that. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. Well, so they they take me. um, We, uh, you are now sitting in a waiting room and you are by yourself and you waited and that was from about what noon or sometime after noon well i went home for a while oh you did yeah sean was there so we went home and then i got really i got a call from one of the nurses that said that it started late you didn't get in they didn't really start till two and then i waited and then i got a call at six that they were almost finished and uh but it would still be a while so i got really antsy and sean took me back to the hospital and i went to the ninth floor waiting room and and just sat there Uh, and uh then so it was pretty late when the doctors were done it was about 11 o'clock and i was really getting antsy because she had called me at six so Uh, it was about 11 o'clock when dr g came up to the to the waiting room. Okay, so uh, Dr. Uh, Givergeese is his name, Sunil Givergeese, just a magnificent man. Um, I have just so grown to appreciate him and 
uh, marvel in his knowledge and abilities. Um, I, of course, didn't know him at the time, but I've come to know him. But he came and greeted you. Yes, he did. He came and sat with me and just, he, you could tell he was so tired. Mm. And he said um, that you you were in really bad condition, that um, it was 50-50, whether they were even going oh. to let you have the liver because you were in such bad condition. He so, didn't think you could survive I want to talk about this because that, seems to me that was a stunning uh yeah piece of uh, information. information um at that time you knew it i didn't know it yeah i I, I mean just at that moment i knew it i couldn't believe that they were i didn't know that they were voting on whether to give it to you or not in well, the or and you had said something to me after i was more awake and and you know talking and that kind of thing with you but i didn't quite understand it but when I met with him later, he said those words to me. Um, and it was hard to believe that a surgical team could be literally divided right, right down the middle as to whether they should even do this surgery right, or not. Right. Cause they, they didn't want to lose the liver because there were other people in the hospital that needed it. And yet if you could withstand the surgery, they didn't want to not give you the chance. Part of the part of the idea there is Vanderbilt has about a 95% success rate in the transplant surgeries that they do. When you think about that, that's an amazing statistic. That means that, sheesh, almost every time, People survive. Now, as I read the read the information, I think that means one, they live at least one year. And then people could have whatever complications from that. But um, uh, I also know that the hardest or kind of most concerning time is that first uh, couple of days, the first 24, 48 hours, maybe 72 hours, because the body's trying to adapt to this new organ, organ that's now been put in their body. Right. Um, talk to me just a little bit about uh, TACRO and talk to me about what, when the doctors give a patient medicine like that, what they're trying to do. They're trying to suppress um, the body's ability, right, to come after that liver. Yeah, and attack the liver. Right. Yeah. So, so there's a, two drugs you will take forever. Forever, the rest of my life. They're anti-rejection medications. Um, and here we are, just completed a, a year basic checkup, and they're still kind of tweaking it, right? Yeah, they are. Well, yeah. I mean, because, because your kidneys are involved now, still. Yeah. So they're trying to make sure they don't damage the one medication you take is a really strong one right? and it affects your kidneys. So they're trying to adjust so that they can keep your kidneys healthy as well as your liver, but they don't want to lose the liver in the meantime. Correct. Correct. And your, your, your uh, body's adapting really well to the liver with these medications. So they're anything they change is really 
carefully and minutely changed so that it doesn't make a big difference. They make very slight adjustments when they make them. And I go back a lot to get my blood drawn and have labs drawn and let the, everybody see how I'm doing and all that. But it has always been super, super great. I never really had any problems after the surgery. Talk just a little bit more about, uh, in that surgery, 11 hours, do I remember? 10 it, was, hours? it was the longest surgery Dr. G said he had ever done, and it was 10 hours. And, and how he, many pints of blood? He had, he had voted for you not to have Oh, blood. that's right. Hey, he what's was, up with that, Doc? He didn't <laughs> think you could survive the surgery. Wow. So he had he voted against it, but Dr. Karp, who is the main he's head of the whole trans liver transplant unit said, we're going to give him a chance. Wow. And so they did the surgery. They had to, because your liver bled so bad, they, they've never given 30 pints of blood, but they had to do 30 pints of blood on you because your liver was bleeding out. So they had to go bypass, bypass it, go through, through, took a tube through your neck into your heart Mm. and all the right, they were, taking the blood through and trying to bypass the liver so that they could keep everything working. And uh, also your um, bile ducts were, he said, I've never seen bile ducts that bad. Right. So what was so bad about them? What did he say about them? He said, and of course I don't understand still what he was talking about, but he said they were metallic. So, he said, I've never seen metallic bile ducts. They're so bad. And he said, we had to reconnect his liver to in another way and bypass the bile ducts because they were not, not a, usable. usable. Right. Yeah. Right. They were so bad. Well, he, he must have hooked me up good because I've come firing out of there with absolutely no problems. My body has been like rebooting a computer and just starting all over again. And I was weak for a long time, but as time has gone on, I feel as strong as an ox and I could do just anything. Um, It was so fun. As a side note, I had given Dr. G a, um, a note right before, I think it was Thanksgiving, and what I was thankful for. And I was telling him that it was him and the work that all of them do in the transplant world. And it was just out of the blue, I get this call one Monday morning, Barry, yes, it's Dr. G at Vanderbilt. And I'm like, what? He's calling me. And he just said, you know, it's so great to get that note from you just hearing of your thankfulness and hearing what you're up to and what you're involved in gives me such great, uh, a great thrill because this is why we do what we do. We try to send people back into the work that they do. And so I'm like crying. I'm trying to get to the airport and pick somebody up and I'm bawling while he's talking to me on the phone. It's the most wonderful thing. I, I love him and all of those people, all of those people, even the ones that voted no. And he voted no. <laughs> he voted no. I'm going to have to get on to him about that. That's um, funny. But you know what? The day, I, the morning 
I'm like, you didn't get into your room till about one o'clock from your surgery. And so I didn't get in there and, mm. and, and it's on a special floor for uh, people after surgeries. So um, it was so wonderful the next morning because I woke up to a couple of doctors coming in and the doctor looked at me and he said, we're not expecting these good uh, numbers on his reports of how he's reacting to this liver. Mm, that was that fast. Yes. By the next morning, by you were already day. reacting. Your body was loving already it. loving it the new loving. liver. And they were so thrilled. We were both thrilled. And you were, had been on the um, ventilator when they came out oh. of the surgery. And you were still on it the first day. But the second day after surgery took you off the ventilator that fast yes and then they i think you went another day and of course you pulled out your feeding tube on your own oops <laughs> and they but that day they also took you off of the um for your um, oh, oh, dialysis dialysis i'm sorry i'm sorry too they took you off of dialysis to see how you would do and you your blood pressure held up. Oh, they were. That able must to, have been a moment. To oh my gosh! Go. And then the same little sweet lady who had prayed for you. Oh, I remember. She that. had touched every part of your body when you were on the eighth floor because you were so bad. Oh my! And she touched and prayed for every part of your body. Wow! She was one of. I remember the two. her going around me, just kind she of did. touching my arms and prayed and for each and, part of you. Oh. And she was part of the team that wow. came in. And did dialysis to see if you could handle it. And you did great. I do remember her. So that was after the surgery. That was after the surgery. See, I have no knowledge. I have pictures and images of people, but I don't know if it happened before the surgery, if it yeah. happened after the it surgery. It was after the surgery. Is that right? Which, How great is oh that? Oh my gosh. She was, oh. she was a prayer. She was a prayer warrior. Oh, that is so fantastic. Um, you know, the the thing for me during the surgery, I guess it must have been some really strong medications or um, what do they call it? Well, for 10 um, hours of surgery, you had to be really out. Anesthesia. Yeah. So, I mean, crazy, crazy dreams. Like for whatever reason, I kept thinking we were in a hotel at the hospital. <laughs> do you remember I'd say? Yes. We got to we got to book this again. Yeah, we need to come back here another weekend. Yes, this is great. This is... <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine you're going, "What? <laughs> we're, we're in the hospital." Like, I, it just felt get like me a, out of here. It felt like a resort to me. This was great. <laughs> Look, they bring all this food to you and you got a nice bed all the time and you know all these nice people well, coming. Well, you and... do. <laughs> <laughs> coming and making up everything for you and cleaning the room. I thought this is a great hotel. I wonder, I said this, I wonder if they have these in other cities. We should try these in other cities. What's the name of this place? <laughs> I honestly did. I thought it was some kind of a, like resort. a four seasons. A resort. Or some kind. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. So Vanderbilt university medical center is now a resort, but I do remember at some point right around that time, and it could possibly have been because of all the anesthesia, um, just 
crazy dreams of me being like, I thought the hospital was literally a helicopter that it, that somehow it was picking up the whole room and taking me to other cities and other locations, other countries, other countries. <laughs> yeah. We had to go to Seattle to do something and turn around in a bay and that didn't work too well. And I thought, but what's wrong? This ship can't turn around in this water. Wait a minute. We're a helicopter. Why don't we just do the helicopter thing? And we flew to Russia and then we flew <laughs> to South Africa. And then we got home that night a little bit late because we went to all those locations. But I mean, like my mind, it was just off in some land somewhere for, for from all. But the... you really believed it because you had asked me afterwards, did we actually stay here the whole time or have yeah. we been going different places? Yeah. I honestly thought that. And, you know, I actually do remember some kind of an out-of-body experience about like whether I was going to die and whether oh. I was going to like go to heaven. Oh. And I, I, it was a, it was a dark place. It wasn't like you see the light and there's the pearly gates and all that. It was just like, if you were to close your eyes and have this conversation just with yourself or in your own mind, it was something like, uh, make sure you know what your answer is Aww. to why you should be allowed in. And oh, baby. remember this, if you answer it, you're gone, you're in. And I kept saying to myself, I'm a, I'm a talker, right? I talk all the time. And I knew I would have the right answer to get into heaven. Right. But I would not answer it. Really? I would not answer it. Were and you I afraid? Thought, uh, yes, because I thought I'd be gone. Oh. And I thought if I don't answer, I get to go back. Oh, I had man. that sense. In I didn't me. know that. Yeah, I had that sense in me, and I'm not sure I've ever really told you that. No, you haven't. But I, I knew that if I gave the answer, it would be the right one. And if I did that, I would be gone. I would be there. But I so didn't want to leave. Well, I remember you saying to me one night, baby, just let me go. I just do. let me go. Mm. And you said, I'll be with Jesus. And I said, no, <laughs> that doesn't work for yeah, me. Yeah, you're not going yet. I'm not ready for I that. I love him too, but we ain't doing that no, yet. No, no, no. We're too young for that, right? That's right. We don't want to do that. It wasn't working. I wasn't ready to let you well, go. Well, I guess I felt your tug on me because I could not answer to get into heaven. I'm glad. And I'm glad too. I got to come back. Yeah. But here I was, like, I slept. I guess for about a day or something. Oh, after surgery. After the surgery. Uh, yeah. You know what? We had a huge snowstorm, and uh, I couldn't leave the hospital. The, you know, you uh, Sean couldn't come get me. We couldn't get uh, nursing in. Right. You know, it was like it was the city was kind of at a standstill. We had a really bad storm, so I think you slept that day. Yeah. I remember sleeping. And then the next day or morning, I think, is yes. when I pulled my tubes out. Yeah, because I woke up to you I being in, in Mickey Mouse. Oh, yeah. Mickey they, they Mouse. Put, <laughs> they put mittens on me so I wouldn't do that again. And then, honey, this is the part. This is the part that's the best because the first words I remember oh. 
the first words that I remember after the surgery was honey. And you were crying. You said, you have such a beautiful scar, (laughs) such a beautiful scar. And that's why we're titling this podcast, Beautiful Scar. You did. I couldn't believe it. I mean, Dr. G, he, he was amazing. It was, it's still the prettiest scar. I just wasn't expecting it to be so beautiful. It's all the way across your tummy. I put it on the podcast so people can see the picture. Oh my gosh. It was all, all across, but it was so perfect. I mean, I was just... And it still feels perfect. We'll talk more about it in the next episode. Okay. But it's beautiful, Scar. It's such a pretty, pretty thing you said to me. I love you. I love you too.